God created Arrakis to train the faithful. From The Wisdom of Muhadib by the Princess Irulan. Welcome to Reading Dune, a podcast where we read Dune by Frank Herbert and talk about it. If you're a Fremen or a first-time reader, this podcast is for you. My name is Caleb Pauls. And I am Evan Diaz. And together, we are going to read some Dune. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. All right, this quote. God created Arrakis to train the faithful. Makes a lot of sense to me. You know, it's like you got to go through the hardships in life to get to whatever you want to call it, your, your destiny, your calling, your oasis. You need to, you need to go through the uh, race of difficult parts of life to become the person you need to be, to be able to do whatever it is you're destined to do. Like, very, very philosophical and <laughs> meta. I like it. To like jihad across the universe and just okay. rampage and kill everybody. Okay, maybe not that. <laughs> must avoid that at all costs. It must must avoid happen. it. But yeah, there is, uh, and I think this is this is obviously the wisdom of Muhadib that he's telling the Fremen then later that like th- this is the righteous cause. Like they were brought here to the worst place in the known universe to live, harder than. Seleucus Secundus, where the Sardaukar come from. And like, we've seen Fremen in battle just absolutely decimate Sardaukar, which the Sardaukar are feared among everybody in the Imperium. So little do they know that there is this band of people on this planet. Desert-hardened Fremen. A desert power. Yes. Yes. All right. So... Usually at this point in time, we do a uh, favorite part of Dune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But instead, I'm going to read a live comment we got right now what? from Anna Van Loon. Anna Van Loon. If you great. If you are all caught up, you can catch us live on YouTube. You can. We try to record every Thursday off and on. It, it doesn't work sometimes because of life, but we try. And sometimes we press the wrong button and just an episode shows up out of nowhere. That's true. That's true. Usually I try to drop our podcast episodes out on Thursday. So like we record on Thursday and then that next episode drops next Thursday. So it's like usually a week late. But the last time when I was uploading the last episode, instead of hitting schedule, it just went straight to public. So y'all got back to back episodes. Bonus episode. <laughs> so yes, we're <laughs> trying to figure all this out. We're doing our best, okay? All right. Hi, Anna. She says, and I think this is just appropriate for this chapter, um, random thought from a Dune Bene Gesserit since... You call your friends Fremen, and and we do. I just also first time reader and Fremen the, you know, the alliteration. Alliteration, yeah. yeah. Um, if you're not a fan of the word moist, this may not be the chapter for you. <laughs> uh, you true, you true. There is a lot of a uh, moisture, moisture in this chapter. Okay, so and what happened last time on reading Dune? Last time on reading Dune, we uh. Was we fought we fought uh Jameis. Yeah. In our own little arena. Paul duped it out with Jameis. Duped it out. That was good. some uh I didn't even 
I'm not intended, but much appreciated. <laughs> the Duke duked it out mm, yep. with Jameis and learned some Fremen culture along the way, and he uh, shanked him, took him out. Jameis is gone. Yep. His water is to be reclaimed. Yeah, so they took him to be reclaimed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jessica and Stilgar kind of like put it into, put the fear of God into Paul as every kind of parental figure would. Like, how's it feel to kill somebody? And so he's still kind of mourning that, maybe yeah. processing what's right. happening. He didn't want to kill Jameis. He didn't want to get in the, re- the arena. Yeah. He has this prescient nexus around this moment that he's just kind of walked through. Yeah. I just feel really bad for Paul at this point in time. I just seemed really confused. Right. Plus his mom through that that like trademark mom guilt trip. Just just the little dash of like feel bad about yourself. It's like, oh man, I feel bad about myself. <laughs> yeah. sucks. And uh somehow the wild jihad is still pressing on Paul's memory. Uh, and that leaves us now into the chapter. So here we are, chapter thirty-four. Thirty-four. Here we go. What's that in? In the stillness of the cavern, Jessica heard people moving. There were bird sounds. She now knew where Stilgar's signal to his watchmen. The plastic hood seals were being removed from the cave's opening, revealing the evening shadows on the basin below as the sun set. Beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Mm, Thank you. That was good. Way to go, Frank Herbert. The Fremen started tightening up their still suits as the cave was being opened, you know, because moisture, they got to make sure they keep all that goodness inside their bodies. And somebody starts opening it, they're like, oh. make sure my tubes are all right. All right. Jessica knew eventually her trained awareness would calibrate to give her the same awareness the Fremen had. I just love the pretentiousness in Jessica. Like, eventually my body will figure it out. <laughs> The, the ability to sense even the slightest change in air moisture. Deep within the cave, someone started chanting. Jessica understood that the funeral ceremony for Jameis had started. Ooh. She looks back out at the Arakeen sunset, how the colors reflected in the sky, and the shadows started appearing across the rocks and the dunes. She could still feel the heat, and her mind flashes back to Caladan. How on Caladan, the wind was heavy with dampness. But now, the wind seared any exposed skin. And the new nose plugs were starting to feel uncomfortable. As they would. I still don't know, like, exactly what they would look like. But just, like, having something up your nose all the time, that would... And there's a, there's a callus that starts to form right here that's, like, fremen, so there's something on your lip. There's, like, constant irritation until it forms. <sighs> The suit was weird, tubes everywhere, and the suit itself was like a, a sweat box. Right. Because again, it's trying to keep all the moisture in, so it's just sweating it out of you. Which I can understand why they only travel at night now. Yeah. Ugh. Stilgar had once told her how the still suit would be more comfortable when she lowered her wa- the, the water content in her body. Right. She knew all this in her head, but it still big, didn't make the present moment any less uncomfortable. Everything here on Dune was obsessed with water. Well, more accurately, it was even more subtle than that. Everything here was obsessed with, here it is just for you, Anna, moisture. Moisture. 
Jessica heard the footsteps and turned to see Paul coming toward her with Cheney at his elbow. Jessica thought, is there anything Paul, if there must, Paul must be cautioned about their women. She sees Cheney at the elbow and says, you gotta watch out. One of those desert women would not do as a wife, especially with Duke. As a concubine, yes, but not as a wife. And Paul's just like, mom. Well, yeah, Jessica thinks all this. And, uh, but yes, that is the tone that he comes up oh. with. But it's funny how Jessica thinks this because she herself is a concubine. Right. So, I don't know. There's still, she, in the book, it says that she wondered to, her, to herself, have I been infected with his schemes? Yeah. Who's, who's she talking about? Who's the his? Guido? I don't think so. Some people may say that, right? Because Lido really always wanted to marry Jessica, but didn't because of like ducal feudal norms, and like he's trying to marry into power and yada 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 yada. Um, she thinks that through her conditioning, right? Her conditioning has taught her to think of marital needs of royalty without once weighing her own needs, her own concubinage. But yet she thinks to herself, I, it's okay, I was more than a concubine. Okay. So who's the his? Who is the his? I don't know. Paul? I mean... Or the emperor? Like, I, I immediately thought it was Leto, so, like... I mean, she's thinking about Paul's needs, first and foremost, and she's trying to put Paul in, like, restore his ducal status. Like, she's going to try to use the Fremen to get back his his dukedom right um but even paul says like he's gunning to be emperor or at least he sees that in like his future yeah definitely think it was political gain and i think there's like a we see in the duneverse that's the dune universe oh wow I, really yeah that's what that is um there's the, the patriarchy system and, yeah. and the matriarchies so like the Bene Gesserit. As an all-female-led society who then supports or comes under the patriarchal side, which is the emperor and the dukes and the chom and all that crap. And she, I think her conditioning is a B'nai Gesserit conditioning. The B'nai Gesserit never want to be out front. They always want to be to the side and a little bit behind. Yeah, yeah. So they're not killed and their schemes are taken out. They're never leaders. They're, always, they're the neck that turns the head. And I think she's got that conditioning to like support that patriarchal network. Um, I think, I think she's, she's starting to play into becoming bad guy slowly. Yeah. This, this chapter, I like noticed that because I started like right from the beginning of this chapter. I'm like, Jessica's starting to suck. Like Jessica is not being cool right now. And like everything that you're saying. Like she's looking out for the political gain and the the schemes of like the empirical political ways or whatever. And it's like if you're looking at it from like now understanding the Fremen a little bit more, it's like that's all still stranger thinking. Yes. And she is not able to like let go of that. She's a hundred percent, I think, personally, in my opinion. Falling back into the B'nai Deseret line of thinking. Yeah. She used to serve 
the Duke. Right. With like one of his like chapter three, like there's this tension. Do I be a good mom and like lover to the Duke or do I own the Bene Gesserit and a sisterhood? And we know that in Princess Irulan, it's writing that like Jessica defied the Bene Gesserit and she's the stronger because of it. Mm-hmm. I really do think Jessica, maybe not in this chapter, is is a, a pivoting, a pivotal point in moving from a patriarchal society to a matriarchal society. Interesting. Now, we're not going to see that for a while, but she definitely has, she, she's wrestling with that right now. Yeah. Because, right, she's a concubine. She is no more than technically a slave to the Duke. But yet she loved him and fought for him. She called herself like the mother of the people of Caladan. Right. So there's this, this dueling, opposing views in her head that she's wrestling with. Mm. So yeah, who is his? I don't know. If you have a better idea, email us at readingdune at gmail.com or yell at me at Twitter uh, at readingdune. Yeah. Back to the show. <laughs> Paul comes up. Mother, do you know what they're doing back there? <laughs> As they've probably taken Jameis's body, put it in the like distillery and smushed him. <laughs> I picture them just like, like a juicer. And all the juice comes out. She looked at him. I think so. Johnny showed me, Paul replied, because I'm supposed to see it and give my permission for the weighing of the water. Jessica looked at Cheney. Cheney said, they're recovering James's water. It's the rule. The flesh belongs to the person, but the water belongs to the tribe. Except in the combat. They say the water's mine. <laughs> this is mine. I don't want this. You I don't want it. You just shamed me for killing somebody. I don't want to remember them constantly. Definitely don't want to drink them. Ooh, <laughs> right. Stranger thinking. Yeah. Jessica all of a sudden became alert and cautious, but she doesn't know why. <laughs> combat belongs to the winner, Cheney said, because you fight without still suits. So technically in battle, you would maybe like lose some blood. And so you would need to like get some of that water back, you know, for like a net equal. But I mean, um, Paul didn't have a scratch on in this Messiah like way. I mean, he maybe got a little sweaty, but probably not. He was just like doing really slow moves. (laughs) But I don't want his water, Paul said, trying to resolve how he feels about this whole thing. Well, he's also feeling parts of many images moving simultaneously, fragmenting in a way he can't understand. He didn't know what to do in this moment. But he did not, but he knew that he didn't want the water from James's flesh. A constant reminder of his first murder. Right. Like the situation isn't like complicated and messed up enough. You know, he's. Yeah, it's not like. By the way, you're going to take the, the guy you killed. You're going to take his water for yourself and all everything he has. But also, Paul is still trying to like swim in this nexus in his brain, <laughs> trying to figure all this stuff out. <laughs> Jessica's, Jessica, yeah, oh my gosh, my words. <clears throat> Sorry, <laughs> Jessica's consciousness stuck the one word: water. Water. The Benjazirat axiom ran through Jessica's mind. Survival is the ability to swim in strange water. 
You will accept the water, Jessica said. It was the same tone that she'd used with Lido when she had told the Duke to accept a large sum of money in return for a trading services in a questionable venture. Because money maintained power. Mm. Now here on Arrakis, where does the power lie? Water. Yeah, water, especially with the Fremen. Paul was silent, thinking, reevaluating. To reviews the water would be to mess with accepted Fremen practice, and that would not be smart. Paul recalled the words from Yui's OC Bible. From water, all life begin. I'm really glad he, he read uh, Yui's OC Bible on the trip over because he's been using it a lot right. <laughs> at random moments. Jessica looks at him. Where do you get that from? He isn't study the ancient mysteries. Like, she's very confused. Johnny knows exactly what's happening. Thus, it is spoken. <laughs> it is written in Shainama. The water was first of all things created. And I feel like Paul and Jessica just look at each other like, what's happening? Like, it happened again. We don't know what's happening, but a friend of, we said something and they take it like in a like religious way and just <laughs> moves forward. Okay. What are we, what are we doing with uh, homegirl's name here? What do you think it is? I thought it was Chani. Chani? 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 Definitely the last one you said. Yeah. Chani? We have to say it just like that. Every, every time? time? Okay. No, I voted something else. Okay. Chani is fine. Chani. Okay. Cool. I might go back and forth and you feel free to just smack it. Smack me. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Watch us live on YouTube to see me slap Caleb. I know that's something everybody wants to see because of how <laughs> I mispronounce things. Jessica shuddered because this bothered her even more. She turned away. So what was it? Johnny? Johnny. Johnny. And Paul couldn't see her confusion. Stilgar's voice ran throughout the cavern. It is time. Jameis's weapon has been killed. We knew you know what that means? The Chris knife. Yeah. They dissolved it somehow. Oh, they just they dissolved it. I just, they just like broke it off and threw it. Maybe they broke it off and threw it, but somehow in my mind, dissolve is what pops up. Hmm. Um, I don't know if that's for certain though. That was just that was just by prescient memory coming forward. <laughs> Jessica has been called by him, by Shah Halud, who has ordained phases for the moons that daily wane, and in the end appear as bent as withered twigs. Stilgar lowered his voice. Thus it is with Jameis. The whole cave fell silent. Stilgar again said, The friend of Jameis will approach. All the men moved. They dropped the curtain across from the opening, darkening the cave. Now only a single glow globe lit the back of the cave. John moved as if drawn to the life. Light. Jessica bent close to Paul's ear and whispered, Follow their lead. Do as they do. It will be a simple ceremony to placate the shade of Jameis. It'll be more than that. Paul thought, trying to see this moment in his awareness, but he was unable to pin it down. Johnny slid to Jessica's side. Come, Saidina, we must sit apart. Paul watched them move towards the shadows, leaving him alone. He felt abandoned. Like, Mom, you're supposed to help me through this. Emo, Paul. Or at least, or at least my new girlfriend. Right. Please stay with me. 
I'm just trying. Leaves me. Well, I mean, he's not. He's not. How do you say this? He's still wrestling his brain and what's happening with everything. He just. I'm sure having another person around is just grounding. Right. But he's like, Ugh. the a man came up to him. Come, Usul. Paul was guided forward towards the Fremen who were circled around Stilgar, who was directly underneath the single glow globe in a very ritualistic manner. Um. Besides Stilgar, on the floor was a bundle of things, including a battle set. Underneath the fabric of a robe, probably Jameis's robe, everyone crouched down. And so I imagine like everyone in this circle crouched down and Paul's just looking side to side like, oh, I guess we're crouching down now. Yeah. And he's just, like, oh, what's that thing? Uh, there's a probe. Uh, trying to figure out what's going on, please. I thought the bundle of things, or like when I was first reading through, it was yes. just like a just like a wrinkly, like baby Voldemort looking Jameis. All, all the water, all taken, the water out. taken out. <laughs> no, I'm glad we didn't don't have that. <laughs> that shy halloods to deal with. Stilgar began the ritual. The spirit leaves the body's water when the first moon rises. Sounds arbitrary, but we'll go with it. Okay. Thus it is spoken. When we see the first moon rise this night, whom will it summon? The whole troop responds, Jameis! Jameis! <laughs> Stilgar turned on his heel to see every face in the circle. I was a friend of Jameis when the hawk plane stooped upon us at Hole in the Rock. It was Jameis pulled me to safety. Stilgar reached down and took the robe, draping it over, over his shoulder as he stood up. I take this robe as a friend of Jameis. Leader's right. Paul looked at the bundle of things. A still suit, an old leader john, a distrans, a kerchief with a small book in it. Bladeless handle of a crisp knife, an empty sheath, a thumper, a thumper, paracompass, some hooks, some feathers, and at lastly, a balisette. Paul thinks. So Jameis played the balisette. Paul's mind went to his old friend and mentor, Gurney Halleck. Where is Gurney? Paul knew somewhere in his memory of the future that some chance lines he could meet Halleck again. But the reunions were few and shadowed. Plus, his pressing vision hadn't been that reliable of late. Paul thought to himself, does it mean that something I will do, something I may do, could destroy Gurney? Or bring him back to life? Or... <laughs> Paul swallowed, shook his head and tried to focus on what was happening right in front of him. <laughs> um, yes. Julian uh, says on our live stream, Julian. Maeve's told Jessica about the Chris knife more than a week away from the flesh, and it disintegrates. So yeah, it disintegrates. Oh. Thank you very much. And this is what happens when you uh, watch us live. You can help. You can tell us how wrong we are. We can help me... Grope my way through this. <laughs> Paul swallowed, shook his head, and again, tried to focus on what was happening. He needed to pay attention to the ceremony. He was going to get it right. Right. <clears throat> Stilgar picked up a flat disc of green metal. The marker for Jameis's coffee service shall be given to Usul in a suitable ceremony when we return to the CH. Leader's right! What everybody else says. I, mean, I just want to comment how and we say have coffee here. It can't be too bad if they got right, coffee. Right. 
You think ugh, coffee's mostly water? Is it like real fancy? It's spice. Mm. Maybe I don't know. You don't know, say. Interesting. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> Lastly, Stilgar took the handle of what had been a Chris knife. For the funeral plane, he said aloud. The troop responded, For the funeral plane. Jessica, who was directly across from Paul, recognized the ancient source of the rite. She thought, the meeting between ignorance and knowledge, between brutality and culture, it begins in the dignity with which we treat our dead. She looked across at Paul, wondering if he'll pick up what he needed to do to participate. We are friends of Jameis, Stilgar said. We are not wailing for our dead. The man next to Paul stood up. I was a friend of Jameis. The man crossed to the mound, picked up the distrans. When our water went below minimum at siege of two birds, Jameis shared. The man returned to his place in the circle. Am I supposed to say I was a friend of Jameis? <laughs> Paul wondered. Oh, I killed him. No. <laughs> Am I supposed to take something from the pile? He looked around at the expectant faces looking at me, looking at him. They do expect me to do something. <laughs> he thinks. Another man got up, got up and approached Jameis's things. He picked up the paracompass. I was a friend of Jameis. When patrol caught us at bright of the cliff, I was wounded. Jameis drew them away so the wounded could be saved. The man returned to his place in the circle. And I just want to comment how unfremen that was. Usually when we know the wounded, from what we know of the fremen right. so far, they just let him go for the good of the tribe. Yeah. But on this case, they, Jameis saved the wounded. Right. I mean, I, they, we've seen them like look at stranger things and be like amazed and be like, wow, that's amazing. That's so cool that you did that. You know? Mm -hmm. So maybe Jameis just had a moment of like, chutzpah and righteousness and was like no my friends aren't dying we're not doing this so he do you, do you, do you still think heroically or whatever do you, just, do you still think james is a bad guy uh after going through this chapter still feel like you're like anti james he's a, he's an idiot i think he was definitely being a bad guy before but like all these things had to happen to for the myth, everything in motion for the myth to take place yeah so the man returned to the circle and again everyone in the circle was looking at guess who paul do something come on paul looked down at the floor <laughs> the man next to him nudged him and whispered would you bring the destruction on us <laughs> paul would see another person getting up to approach the pile of james's things he looked up to see his mother uh-oh mom's doing something she reached down to pick up Jameis's old kerchief. I was a friend of Jameis, she says. When the spirit of spirits within him saw the need for truth, that spirit withdrew and spared my son. She returned to the circle. Jessica's voice ran through Paul's head. How's it feel to be a killer? Yikes. Mom. Again, Paul saw everyone staring at him. He could feel the anger. And the fear of what might happen start to, like, build in the troop. 
Paul recalled something he'd seen in a film book that was given to him by Lady Jessica. Something about a passage from the cult of the dead. Ooh. Paul stood up. A collective sigh went to the troop. Oh, gosh, thank you. As he walks forward, he feels a diminishment of his self. As he approached the center of the circle, it is though he'd lost a fragment of himself. And he was somewhere in the collection of Jameis's things. Mm. He bent over, and what's he pick up? Balisette. Balisette. Gurney. Gurney for life. I was a friend of Jameis, Paul whispers. He felt tears burning in his eyes. He forced himself to speak up. Jameis taught me that when you kill, you pay for it. I wish I'd known Jameis better. Eyes closed, trying not to cry. Paul groped his way back to his spot and sank to the rock floor. Whispers could be heard for some, from somewhere in the troop. He sheds tears. Uzel gives moisture to the dead. His eyes still closed. Paul felt fingers touch his face. Yeah. As the fingers touched his damp cheeks. Could you imagine just a bunch of people just touching your face as you're trying not to cry? Okay. And they're just, okay. They're just okay. wiping away tears. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's weird. Jessica heard the voices and felt the depth of the experience. Realizing the ter what terrible inhibitions there were against shedding tears. She focused on the words she was hearing from the troop. He gives moisture to the dead. It was a gift to the shadow world. Tears, they were sacred, beyond a doubt. Mm. It wasn't until this moment, right here, that Jessica understood the importance of water on the planet. Right. It's like tears, even like tears are... That's that's crazy. That's got to be a... It wasn't the economy of water sellers in the tribes. Right. Or in the cities, right? They were like selling off water to support their families. It wasn't the dried skin of the natives, right? Like Mapes was completely a raisin, pretty much. <laughs> it wasn't the still suits they use or the rules about water discipline. It, here on Dune, there was a substance more precious than all others. It was life itself intertwined all around with symbolism and ritual. Water. Man. I touched his cheek, someone whispered. <laughs> I felt the gift, another said. I felt the feeling of people touching his face frightened Paul. Paul was still clutching the cold handle of the balisette, feeling the strings in his palms. He's like clutching it really hard, like feeling everything. When he opened his eyes, he saw the faces around him of the Fremen. Eyes wide and in wonder. Eventually, the hands withdrew and the funeral ritual continued. Yeah, that's like a sacred moment that just happened. That's like you're building into the, the mythos of Muhadib, right. who sheds tears for the dead. Who is this person who fights without, who makes a mockery of anyone who fights him? And, and then, then cries. And then cries for them. Man. Man, yeah. And Paul's just, Paul's just living life. He's just like trying to make it through the day. He's literally just trying to be present in the right. moment. He's, he's like the future is like beckoning him. Some terrible purpose is trying to arise from within him. He's trying not to die every single moment. And mom is shaming him at every turn. <laughs> and he keeps like having these moments where like the actions he takes just trying to make it 
are like, <gasps> and not to mention the girl of his dreams is right there. Like right. he's going through some shit right now. <laughs> I'm amazed he keeps it together. I would cry too, just from all that stress. Right. But now everyone was giving Paul space in respectful isolation. Cool. Almost in reverence. A low chant starts from the group. Full moon calls thee. Shy halud shout thou see. Red the night, dusky sky. Bloody death didst thou die. We pray to a moon, she is round. Walk with us when then abound. What we seek for shall be found in the land of solid ground. <clears throat> I like the land of solid ground because uh, it's not sand. Right. Sand is not solid. Right. It's constantly moving. Yeah. That's and what they're trying to make, right? They're trying to make the land. Yeah. Solid they're ground. trying to make a habitable planet. And with that, the ceremony ended. Stilgar crouched down to a bulging sack that was at his feet. Chani was right there at his elbow. Is it Chani? Chani. Chani. Okay, Johnny. guys, make sure I get that right. Even I get it, a lot of stuff wrong here. Jameis carried 33 liters and 7 and 33 seconds drachens of the tribe's water, Chani said. I bless it now in the presence of a Sayadina. This is the water. Vicente fallacy of Paul Muhadib. Like, it's a big deal that there's a Sayadina here to bless the water. And I don't know. I feel like Jessica is just here at the right time. And right. Johnny is fully invested that Jessica's a Sayadina now. Yeah. And she's saying some weird uh, hocus pocus magical sounding stuff. Yes. What's what's with that? You know what that's about? Is that just like a part of the ritual? That's I think it's just part of the ritual yeah. cult of the dead stuff. Okay. Blessing things, stuff like that. Good to know. Tawny turned to Paul. Where I am flame, be thou the coals. Where I am dew, be thou the water. By Allah, Khalifa, the troop responded. To Paul Muladib goes his portion. May he guard it for the tribe, preserving it against careless loss. May he be generous in time of need. May he pass it on in his time for the good of the tribe. Allah, Khalifa! The troop responded. Slowly, Paul stood up, walking to Chani. I like how this says, like, may he pass it on in time for the good of the tribe. Like, you're collecting, like, with the hope that you don't use all the water, that you are collecting generational wealth. Hmm. Like, yeah. because you are, because the tribe and the people have a goal of turning Arrakis into a paradise, yeah. which will only happen through generations. So your life preserved, you're trying to use as little water as possible so you can preserve and carry it on so that the mission can be completed. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Stilgar reached out and then takes the, bow the bow set from Paul's hand and then took a step away leaving Paul and Chani in the circle. Kneel, Chani said. Paul knelt. Chani kneeled down with Paul, taking his hands and placing it on the water bag. With this water, the tribe entrusts thee, she said. Jameis is gone from it. Take it in peace. Chani stood up, pulling Paul up with her. 
Stilgar returned with the set, and with it a small pile of different sized metal rings. Johnny counted out the rings. 33 liters, 2 liters, etc. All the way down, everything he had. Do you accept them? Stilgar asked. Paula swall- swallowed <laughs> and nodded. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Sure, yeah. Okay. Johnny said to Paul, Later, I will show you how to tie them in a kerchief so they won't rattle and give you away when you need to be silent. You know, because he's loud when he walks around. <laughs> she likes to remind him of that. She extended her hand out to Paul. And Paul asked, and I think this is a relatively like, oh, I, I don't know how to do this. And they're going to rattle around and give us away. Would you hold them for me, Johnny? Like, please? <laughs> Paul, abrupt, or Johnny abruptly looks up at Stilgar. What? Are you serious? Stilgar smiles. Paul Muhadib does not know our ways. Johnny? Hold them for him without commitment till it's time to show him the manner of carrying them. Basically, Paul just proposed to Johnny without knowing. Oh, 100%. (laughs) Will you be my wife? An accident. Um, (laughs) She's like, wait, what? This is way too soon. I just met you, dude. But yes, you are. Lizanne too strong. Too strong. strong. (laughs) Coming on too strong, man. That's when the prescient memory hits that. Oh, wait. Water counters offered to a woman would be courtship ritual. Oh, watermasters! Stilgar yelled out. The troop arose and two men stepped forward, carrying two more water bags. Stilgar took the globe globe, which was over him, and led the way down into the cave. Paul was pressed in behind Johnny as the troop followed Stilgar. Jessica was pulled in by eager hands as the troop descended down into the cave. Stilgar stopped at the yellow rock wall. He pressed an outcropping, and the wall gave way. Stilgar led the way to the secret doors. Secret doors. Oh, secret doors. Yeah, so cool. I want a secret door. We're in your closet. Does that count? But my door is not secret. It's just a door. Hmm, what should we do? I don't know. I could put a bookshelf. We put like a shower curtain over it so people don't know what's behind it. <laughs> You got it. Think I'm showering. <laughs> we have digressed. <laughs> Sorry, all this well, all this talk about water just all right, moving on. And when you think about that, remember that like the Fremen don't shower. They just reek. They just shower. smell bad all the time. I guess you get used to it. Well, Probably smell spice more than anything else, you know. Just that cinnamony spice. Mm. All right, so they're walking down. They move to the secret door. As Paulo, as Paul followed, he felt a cold wash of air. He turned to Johnny. Hey, that air felt damp. Shh, shh. She whispered back at him. The man behind Paul whispered, mm, plenty of moisture in the trap. James's way of telling us he's satisfied. As Jessica passed through the secret door, she saw how the Fremen slowly passed the threshold as to feel the air. <sighs> Wind trap, she thought. They've got a concealed wind trap on the surface to funnel the air down here. And once it goes hot air to cold air, which creates precipitation, and then it like drips out. Huh. Right? That's how that's how that works. <laughs> they passed through another door and the door behind them closed. The troop was now spiraling down a staircase. They go to the steps end and they walk through another door. And then from behind that, they step into a cavern. The light of the globe globe was swallowed in this cathedral. 
Yeah, I liked how he described that. It was like a where where did where did cathedral, cathedral, cathedral. The uh, <clears throat> Paul felt Chani's hand on his arm, heard a faint dripping sound in the chill air, and felt an utter stillness come over the Fremen in the cathedral presence of water. What? Yes, this is a reverence to it that oh, you cannot explain. So crazy. And of course, Paul thinks to himself, I've seen this place in a dream. It was a cavern full of water. Paul tried to recall his prescient dreams, but all he could see was a raging jihad in front of him. Jeez. Wild legions following the green and black Atreides flag, shouting, Muhadib, Muhadib, as they slaughter and everything in their way. It must not be. It cannot be. Paul shook his head. He could feel the demanding race consciousness pressing forward within him. His own terrible purpose. It was gathering weight and momentum. If he died right now, the thing would go on through his mother and his unborn sister. Nothing less than the death of all this whole troop gathered here including his mother and him, would stop it. He's in get, this moment. In this moment. He yeah. has to kill everybody and then take his own life in order to stop the jihad. But that's not going to happen. I, he can't do that. I don't think... Right now, there's a... Let's see, like... He talks about in this moment that he feels like there's something he needs to do, but he's, like, stuck. He's, like, still in this moment. Like, he can't move. Right. Everything is happening around him. Right. And I think he's obviously probably going to do this, but he needs to, he needs to get it together. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to pull it together fast. He's got to figure this stuff out because he's like, I've been here before. Uh, uh, oh, we're leaving? Okay. Oh, I missed something. Uh, you know? Like, <laughs> yes. Bro, that, figure it out. And start doing the stuff that we, you need to start doing. Right. Thing, people's lives are at risk right. if you don't do something now. <laughs> Deep in the future, which, of course, he's trying to figure out. Um, the, the water masters come down and they measure out the water, putting it back into the great cavernous. I want to call it a lake. Mm -hmm. You don't know how far it goes. Jessica made her way to Stilgar. Stilgar looked at her. There were those among us in need of water, and none of them would come and touch this water. We have more than 38 million decaliters here. Decaliters. Walled off from the little makers, hidden and preserved. We have thousands of catches like these, and only a few of us know them all. <laughs> Which I think when you look back, when we first get to Iraq, as we worry about the Fremen, they're like, oh, there's, we don't know how many there is. There's this like mm -hmm. non-civilized group of people. Water is kind of scarce. We have water. We're in like the capital. We don't have to worry about it. Everybody else worries about it. The Fremen definitely worry about it, but they have a lot of water right. stored up, which I think is really cool. Yeah. It has been calculated with precision, he whispered. Pretty much like to everyone, to the lake, in a ritualistic like chanting now. We know within a million decaliters how much we need to change the face of Arrakis. Bala al-Khalifa, the troop responded. 
We shall trap the dunes. We will tie the water into the soil with trees and undergrowth. We shall make a home world of Arrakis with lakes and temperate zones and the deep desert for the maker and his spice. Baal Khalifa, the troop responded. And no man will ever, ever again shall want for water. Baal Khalifa! Jessica felt the religious ritual in the words. She thinks to herself, they're in league with the future. They have their mountain to climb. This, this was the scientist's dream. And these simple people, these peasants, are filled with it. Mm-hmm. I hate how she calls them peasants in this moment. Right. Like, that's, what, that's, that's what I was talking about. It's like, why are you being like this? Right. They're people. Why are you white? Like, she definitely, like, she, she wants to use them, these people, right. to her advantage. And she's not seeing them as people. She's seeing them as a tool to be wielded. Right. And I, I don't think she's, uh, you know, she obviously is in the situation. She can't really super look at it objectively. But it's like, if they're peasants, what are you? You know, like. Oh, she's a Bene Gesserit. They're just, but like, you could be freaking president of the United States. If you're stuck in the middle of the desert with no help and no way to talk to anybody, you're just a schmuck in the desert. You know what I mean? Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> she, well, she's fully used the missionary productiva to wiggle yeah. her way in and she knew it was prepared and like she's fallen back on her old, her old uh, training. Right. I just think she's, she's being snooty and she doesn't really, uh, have much place being snooty right now. No, but she is. Stilgar then says to the group, we leave now and wait for first moon rising. When Jameis is safely on his way, we will go home. Everyone starts murmuring around them. Like, I don't want to leave all this. It feels great in here. <laughs> I don't want to go back up. Man. All right, here we go. And they start walking up. As Paul was... Pulled back into the group as they walk back up to where they'd come from. Paul walked behind Johnny, feeling that the vital moment had passed him. And now he was caught up in his own myth. He missed the moment. Come on, Paul. Figure it out, dude. He had seen this place before. When he was still on Caladan. Before the spice. Before everything. He felt a new sense of wonder at the limits of his gift. Yet, through all of it. The wild jihad still loomed. He talks about how there is waves of time crashing forward and the jihad is just this pillar that the waves are crashing upon. Everything is not certain, but the jihad is certain. Yikes. Violence, slaughter, and death. It's good. Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. And he, yes, yes, it's exactly it. And he's trying to figure out what to do, but he doesn't know what to do. He he knows a lot what he doesn't want to happen, and he has no idea what he wants to happen. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is a lesson for all of us. It's easy to say what we don't want. It's very hard to say what we do want. Mm, boy, if you don't preach. All right, moving on. Yeah, Woo. there we go. And yes, if... if um, Paul would know that. I think things would go differently. Right. But, but as, a, sure. as a 15-year-old, I think there's not many of us that know what we want at that point in life. Right. Oh, yes, moving forward here. The troop exited the last door and the light was extinguished. They were on the desert again. Jessica looked up at the stars. She heard the balisette behind her being tuned. Paul's voice humming slightly. 
Ooh. It was melancholy in his tone. She didn't like it. Johnny comes up to him. Tell me about the waters of your birth world, Paul Muhadib. Another time, Johnny, I'll promise. Do you remember the last, do you, remember, do you know where that line's from? No. Do you remember chapter one? When he's, no. <laughs> gosh, Caleb, that was like 34 weeks ago. I don't remember that. All right. So that in his, look it up. Go back to chapter one. Okay. Evan flips through pages. Doop, doop, doop. It's at the beginning. Um, where he tells Reverend Guy's Helman Hamam about his dreams after the testing of the Gomjabar. After the Gomjabar. Yeah. After the Gomjabar. And he says, let's see what he says. Wait, was it chapter one? Chapter one or maybe chapter three. Maybe it could be chapter three. So fear. Fear's the mind killer. Find the humans. Yep. Hope Cloud's observation. Uh-huh. Chris Rash Rash Rash. That's where we're going. Uh I may cut all of this out on the podcast or I may just keep it. Sorry, I'm not good at finding all the things. Yeah, go to chapter three. <laughs> Not the Harkonnen chapter. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Baron Harkonnen, yuck. Heaven okay. still thumbs through. <laughs> He's thumbing. Uh, by the way, if you want to tell us your favorite moment in Dune, uh, please... Email us at readingdune at gmail.com. We just love to hear what's going on with you. We get emails every day. I saw there was somebody here. Uh, let's see. Um, that was from do, 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 do. Hello from Mongolia. Love your work. Keep what? it up. So Mongolia? You're supposed to be looking up the thing so, I'm talking. Um. <laughs> I can't find it. I can't do it. All right. Well, the quote is, bum, 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 bum. I wanted you to find it because it's more like fun that way. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's uh, tell me of the waters of your home world, Uso. So the quote is different when he gets it in real time from his dream. Oh, okay. Because time is different. Yes. So we're trying to, like he's seeing these moments, but everything is slightly different, but he remembers like, so things aren't happening exactly how he, like, his prophetic prescient sense is making it seem. Man. It's somewhat there, but it's not quite there. But this is kind of that moment. There's also a kind of another moment in there as well. Um, we'll move on here. That's bonkers. So, yeah, his, th that's the moment that he saw way back when. That was the moment. Yeah. But again, it was slightly different. Just like when he would, they were one time, uh, he'd seen the met, he'd seen him and then his mom and Duncan on the sand, but Duncan wasn't there in real time. Like right. things are slightly different than what he sees. The only thing that he knows for certain is that the jihad is coming. Dun, 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 dun. That's terrible. That's yeah. the worst thing. Yeah. The, the only thing you don't want to happen is the only <laughs> thing you know is for certain. It's a good balisette, Johnny said. Sing one of your songs. She pleaded with him. And a twinkle in her eye. Jessica didn't like the tone of Johnny's voice. I must caution Paul about their women. And soon. <laughs> this song is from a friend of mine, Paul said. 
I expect he's dead now. Gurney is. He called it Evensong. And then Paul starts singing Wonderwall. Saying maybe, maybe, I'm going to be the one that saves me. And after all. Gosh, Paul, you're such a cliche. The troop grew, the troop came up and they listened to Paul sing. There was stillness that came after the song. It was a love song. Jessica wondered, why did Paul sing a love song to this Fremen girl? Because he's into her, Mom. Get back up. Probably doesn't know what else to sing, to be honest. <laughs> she felt an abrupt fear, Jessica did. Why did he do this? And then Paul sat in the dark with a single thought in his consciousness. My mother is my enemy. She does not know it, but she is. She is bringing the jihad. She bore me. She trained me. She is my enemy. Bum, bum, bum. That was crazy. I did not see that twist coming while I was reading it, but like looking back, it's like, oh, it's like chapters. Her slowly becoming the enemy, or at least it feels, it feels that way. Yeah. yeah, I do. I just want to mention this right here, right now, that I love the way that Frank Harbor closes each chapter from a story t- storytelling perspective. Right. How every chapter is a cliffhanger. Right. Every ending is a cliffhanger. And if you're a real Fremen, that's going to annoy the crap out of you. <laughs> but yes, everything, there is no resolution. It is all cliffhanger constantly. Um, so, you, my mother is my enemy. Who's the enemy of Paul? Is it the Bene Gesserit? Is it the Emperor? Is it, is it the Harkonnen? She's Harkonnen. She's Harkonnen and she's Bene Gesserit. And is it the Atreides? She's Atreides as well. <laughs> Who, like, I feel like Paul is, is now solely trying to do his own thing. And all of the, all the factions in the Imperium are slowly, he's realizing that they, they're all against him. Yeah. He, the the Bene Gesserit plan on using him. Right. The Imperium, Chome, the Emperor, plan on using him. Our Conans, they want him dead. Well, they can't be good. Right. All of the lines, the he will, if the Jihad does this, the Atreides' name will go down in infamy. Mm-hmm. But so, like, does he give up his dukedom? Does he give up the Atreides' name to make it not happen? That's That's the thing that's, like, striking me right now is, like, Everyone is his enemy, but what he's actively trying to do is save everyone. He's trying really hard, but he keeps missing the moment. Right. It's like, it's like there are forces outside that are um, directing him. They, they've laid out the track for him, and he has, no, he has no choice but to walk down it. Right. He's not made. He's trying to make other choices. Right? Like uh, calling himself Paul Muhadib. We never saw that in any of his visions. He's trying to make little choices, but he's not He's not made any... He's not flown the flag, flipped the finger, and said, screw all of you, I'm doing my own thing. Yeah. He's continuing to go along with all of their like plans. Their plans within plans within plans, and he's just stuck. And he can't do anything about it. Yet. Yet. I'm assuming. Let's hope. Let's hope. All right. So there is one more thing I want to bring up before we close here. And just only because it is, we're at this point. Um, So like 
right after this scene, right, they would go to the desert. They would need to go to the funeral plane to like discard probably his body mm-hmm. and some other things, right, in the funeral. And back in the chapter, in where the attack on Arakeen, remember where Guido, Duke Guido, were still in um, the Arakeen Palace. Yeah. And Duke Guido was running down the halls, and that's then Yui had flipped the switch, and everything had happened. And he realized Yui was the traitor. Mm-hmm. Remember that whole chapter? Yes. Okay, the opening quote to that chapter is the dirge for Jameis on the funeral planes <gasps> by Songs of Muhadib. That, yes. Okay. All right. So um, this would be the song that was probably played. He has a ballast in his hand right now, so he can sing a song. Mm-hmm. He's got everything he needs to write music. Um, and we kind of associated, I, my own personal thing, associated this quote with Leto um, falling into this trap. And we know it's a trap and we all want him to get out, but he doesn't. Just like Jameis. And so the song goes like this. Do you wrestle with dreams? Do you contend with shadows? Do you move in a kind of sleep? Time has slipped away. Your life is stolen. You tarried with trifles, victim of your own folly. That's... Evan shakes his head. That's too much. That makes me sad. (laughs) Yeah. So that's it. That's when that that basically saying when you are stuck on somebody else's track. When you wrestle with things but you can't control, you move in a kind of sleep, right? You're just moving through the thing. You time has slipped away. We saw time slip away in this chapter with Paul. He missed the moment. Right. Victim of your folly, you tarried with trifles. Maybe that's prescient of what's about to happen to Paul, but I don't know. I just want to bring all the parallels. Back to the Duke's yeah. life, back to Jameis, and back to Paul. And what is going to happen? What is going to happen? Find out next week on Reading Dune. Dun, 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 dun. Well, anyways, we want to know what, again, your favorite moments are. Please hit us up on Twitter. I'm going to pull up the little banner here. Do, do, do. Twitter. Reading Dune. Email us at readingdune at gmail.com. I got a really cool email the other day talking about how Wind traps are actually a thing and are actually used here on Earth. No I'll, uh, I'll share that on Twitter. Um, yeah, they're currently being used. So, because again, Frank Herbert researched it like this for six years before yeah. he like like actually published and did stuff. So, as always, please stay spicy, and we will see you next time. Peace.